Welcome to Wake Up Calls. This is Todd Goodwin. My wife Gina and I are board certified hypnotists with years of experience empowering people to enjoy healthier and more fulfilling lives. There's a myth that hypnotists put people to sleep, but the truth is that we wake them up. So many people sleepwalk through life with no clue what causes their emotions and behaviors. They feel like helpless victims of their anxieties, bad habits, and traumas. Fortunately, we've helped thousands of clients to unlearn those issues, often quickly and easily. What if you could know yourself, accept yourself, and value yourself more than ever before? How would that improve every part of your life? It's possible, and it starts now with self-awareness. Our mission is to help you to wake up so you can think better, feel better, and do better. Podcast topics range from health and wellness to relationships to human behavior and psychology. Our conversations are always informative, often controversial, and sometimes entertaining. Get ready. It's time to wake up. Today we are going to discuss insomnia. Insomnia is a big issue um, coming up for a lot of people, even people who might have never had uh, issues with sleep or insomnia before. So this seems to be a topic that's pretty relevant right now. Yeah, and that's it. So what we want to do is explain to you the variety of causes for insomnia. And, and by the way, insomnia, we're, we're not going to give a clinical definition, but this is basically a word people use for trouble falling asleep. It can be disrupted sleep where you wake up frequently throughout the night. It can be difficulty falling back to sleep. And there are a number of physical or physiological and mental and emotional causes. The focus of our conversation today is primarily on the mental and emotional side because as hypnotists, that's our expertise. Uh, but anytime people are experiencing elevated stress, they tend to adopt certain stress-relieving <laughs> habits or behaviors, right? Yeah, a little way to blow off some steam or, or improve your mood really, really quickly, such as caffeine or, you know, maybe they're having extra coffee because they need to keep up with everything going on and chasing after a bunch of kids or something. Sure. Uh, people are drink, therefore they're drinking more at night because <laughs> yeah. they're so jacked up. They need alcohol to calm them down. And it also helps them relax. So it's like t solving two problems at once in, For their sure. in their minds. For sure. And it's actually interesting because it's a vicious cycle. And if you think about the typical American, so people often start the day with flour and sugar, whether it's bagels, toast, pastries, donuts. Artificial sweeteners in your coffee. Exactly. So they're eating... Starbucks. <laughs> so they have sugar in form of carbohydrates. Very often people have a glass of fruit juice, which is extremely high. I mean, yeah. you know, that's not good for you either. So if you start the day with, you know, with a lot of carbohydrates plus coffee or any kind of caffeine, but coffee obviously is stronger than most tea, then there's this massive increase in blood sugar and it causes a spike, which causes people to feel alert and awake and their stress hormones kick up, which is what caffeine does they're stimulated and then 
uh, throughout the day, you know, that only lasts usually a couple hours. There's a dip when the caffeine and the sugar wear off, they need more. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, typically in the workday, people have, you know, mid-morning coffee or maybe coffee after lunch or with lunch. And what happens is people are so keyed up from sugar and caffeine throughout the day that at the end of the day, they need a beer or a wine, a mixed drink, something, you know, mm-hmm. happy hour or do it at home. And the alcohol is a depressant or a sedative that's supposed to take the edge off all the sugar and caffeine that's been jacked up into the system. And by the way, soda, so mm-hmm. it doesn't have to just be coffee. A lot of people yeah. drink Coke in the morning. Well, and, well, there was a commercial once that showed a person, you know, they didn't like coffee, but they're driving to work drinking a Coke. And in, in a way, if you're interested in sugar and caffeine, that makes sense. So it's good marketing. Sugar and caffeine. So anyway, they drink some alcohol, you know, maybe when they get home, maybe with dinner, maybe after dinner. And, and of course, I'm drawing it, and I know you've experienced the same thing, Gina, with your clients, that this is a typical pattern. And so really people at an unconscious level are really just trying to balance themselves. So... Because there's still a lot of stimulation in the body from the chemicals, plus stress, which most people have to some degree, they need some kind of sleep aid, whether it's prescription, over-the-counter, herbal, in order to help the person, to help them sleep. But if they've had alcohol or a lot of caffeine, even if they're not feeling it, it still can mess up their sleep. So they sleep poorly, they wake up the next morning, and guess what? They need more coffee and more mm-hmm. sugar to stimulate, and it just becomes this roller coaster throughout the day. Vicious cycle. Exactly. So it's like, where does it start? Usually, the remedy is to cut the alcohol and the caffeine at once. You know, cut it in half, and and take it from there. Um, but that's not what this conversation is about. We're talking about the mental aspect, the stress-related issues, and this is not a new problem. So. We, we have an email. Do you want to read the, the highlights from the email from a reader of ours or listener of ours? Yes. So Melissa from Miami. Yeah, she wrote, I've been under a lot of stress recently. I've been sleeping pretty poorly. After falling asleep, getting back to sleep, I know it's my monkey mind, but I can't turn it off. I've been taking sleep aids and I don't want to. Any suggestions? Is that it? And then she said, pun intended. Oh, oh. Okay, so if you don't that's know, cute. so that's a. I'm surprised I didn't catch that. It's, it's a, a typical hypnotist joke is that one difference between what we do and what a psychotherapist does is that psychotherapists give advice, we give suggestions. Now, of course, when when someone's hypnotized, yeah, thank you. When someone's hypnotized, the hypnotist is giving hypnotic suggestions. That's the term used for the, the words right. and things that not we say. Not commanding, not ordering. Not right, right. <laughs> but it's called suggestions, so she, that's very funny. Nice job, Melissa. You, yeah. You totally went over my head. That's why that. I picked her, her question. <laughs> nice. One of the reasons. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of people have complained about insomnia, but she yeah. kind of touched on everything here. So, um, One of the suggestions I would suggest is a good visual exercise, and I'll have you explain it more, Todd. Um, but the first thing I would uh, suggest is a breathing exercise, whether or not you're going to do the second exercise or not, but breathing is good no matter what. The first thing to realize is that if you're stressed, there's possibly an increase in adrenaline and cortisol, the two key stress hormones in your system. And cortisol, which is a chronic stress hormone, when people are under chronic stress, um, you know, something bad may happen and whether it's the economy or job or relationship or, or health, but 
an ongoing situation as opposed to adrenaline, which is more sudden, like someone cut me off on the highway and my heart's racing for 30 seconds and then it's done. So cortisol moves opposite to melatonin in terms of the cycle during the day. And cortisol, which incidentally goes up when you drink caffeine, uh, is supposed to be dipping quite a bit at night when you go to bed and your melatonin moves opposite and melatonin is supposed to go up. This is not melatonin from the pharmacy. This is melatonin in your brain. And melatonin is necessary to help you sleep well. So, um, and by the way, one thing that again, not mental, but if you're doing a lot of screen time mm, or you're, yeah, right before bed, or if your light bulbs are bright, you know, you have a lot of light then what that, the light does is it basically tells your brain it's still daytime, yeah. and so it inhibits melatonin production. Mm -hmm. And that's why sometimes it's good to have an hour or so before bed where you dim the light significantly. And um, so that's one thing. But, but that aside, if you're stressed and your stress hormones are elevated and circulating in your body, usually the first thing that's good to do is an exercise to relax your body. And then we can relax or focus the mind and then together that should help you fall asleep. What you were mentioning, Gina, is a 488 breathing pattern, which is to inhale for a count of four, holding for a count of eight approximately, and exhaling for a count of eight. Mm -hmm. So inhale four, hold eight, exhale eight. And th the main key thing that works here is the fact that your exhalation takes a lot longer than your inhalation, and that causes you to relax. Um, it triggers a relaxation response, and it's not just calming physically, but it actually stimulates serotonin release, which is a precursor to melatonin. So without getting too complicated, that breathing, that especially if you're breathing abdominally from your, you know, your, your stomach as opposed to shallow from your chest and shoulders, you're going to increase your serotonin, which is improving your well-being, increasing melatonin and it relaxes you. So when you're laying in bed and you, you've put all your to-do list aside and the room is dark and comfortable and the right temperature, that's where doing that breathing for maybe two minutes is really good. And then the next step, as you find that that relaxes you a lot, is to do something mentally. Uh, you want me to explain this, Gina? Yeah. Okay. So this is a really cool technique that may only take a few minutes, but when I've done it myself and when I've recommended it to clients, um, usually we have found that, you know, and I know I've found this because I've done it a lot, I fall asleep somewhere in the middle of it and then later on when I wake up, hours later or the next morning, I don't even remember finishing it, which means I fell asleep somewhere <laughs> in the middle, which is really what you want. Exactly. Um, so basically, here's, here's an easy way to do this. Imagine your childhood home, assuming you had a pleasant childhood we don't want to you know if you were abused as a child don't imagine your childhood home but we, you know I mean seriously a place I, you know well maybe maybe the school you went to or uh, a place a playground you went to a lot or some place that you you're very 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 familiar with that's not stressful so it could Correct. be a, it could be a vacation spot right and um, this is a really good exercise because whether you're a visual person auditory person it's good for that because you can imagine if you're more of a visual auditory person like I am, I would picture what I remember seeing because I'm very visual. So I would be able to see it very clearly. So I would imagine the colors. I would imagine the way things are moving if things are moving. 
I would imagine distance, how far things are, and a little auditory too. So if I was outside, maybe I could hear the plane going overhead or the breeze or um, any other sounds I would hear when I was there and so on and so forth. If mm -hmm. you're kinesthetic, maybe you can pick up one of your stuffed animals that you had as a kid if you're in your childhood home and feel it. Mm -hmm. um, kinesthetic is, so we all process information slightly differently. Some people, like Gina was mentioning, are predominantly visually oriented. Some people are more hearing oriented and the others are more feeling oriented. That's kinesthetic. So. And this is almost like the beginning understandings of very, very basic NLP, is it not? Yeah. For sure. Yeah, is understanding that visual, auditory, kinesthetic, most people are uh, one of the three or a blend of all three. Yeah, I think we all are blends, but some people are more, you know, uh, dominant. But, but again, you're right. If you blend all of this, regardless of what you think you might be, you know, imagine walking through that environment and imagining as vividly as you can, like you're actually in that situation. And remembering as best as you can. Sure. And, yeah. and again, it doesn't matter if this is done right, the key is just to do it. And the reason why this works primarily is because vividly imagining something taxes the conscious mind. And so your conscious mind may, if you don't do that and you're just laying in bed, it may start thinking about different things that you think are important at the time but may not be. After all, what are you really going to resolve at you know bedtime? So by giving your conscious mind something to focus on and by tapping into these different sensory uh, experiences, you know, seeing, hearing, feeling, uh, not only if you're imagining something pleasant, can it be a really nice way to revisit a situation, but it also gives you a, a temporary escape from your current environment. Mm -hmm. So if you're in your imagination vividly going somewhere where you have pleasant associations, then not only do you feel better, mm -hmm. but also you're really taxing your, your, your mind and then that is going to usually exhaust your mind and then that causes you to fall asleep if you're physically relaxed. Right. The good part about it being something that you can get your brain to focus on is because your brain at that moment before doing that is almost like wild horses, you know, and so then you finally get the reins and you can just guide them in the right direction and with all of their power, now they know what direction to go to all exactly. at the same time. Instead of one going here, one going there, one going there, and their brain's just going off in all different directions. You're giving your brain direction, and then you become control of what you're seeing, what you're hearing, what you're feeling, what you're thinking. And if it begins to drift off into some random thought again, you can go back and focus on what you were focusing on. It gives you something to focus on. And actually, I'll also take the opportunity to mention that this type of technique actually induces a light state of hypnosis mm -hmm. and as we go between being wide awake to being asleep we go through we move through the hypnotic state so hypnosis is a precursor to sleep if you want to sleep it's also the reason why if you're thinking about something that's distressing or worrying at bedtime very often that disrupts your dream, it, your sleep, it can cause you to have uh, unpleasant dreams. So you want to be very careful about what you're thinking at bedtime and as you wake up because those are times when your brain goes through a state of hypnosis. So what you're focusing on at that time is going to stick with you a lot longer than at any other time of the day. So that's a simple two-part technique that I would highly recommend for dealing with 
difficulty falling asleep. And if you wake up in the middle of the night, you can do this again and do the breathing, do the visualization. And that usually works really well. Didn't you also do math in your head once? Oh, yeah, that's right. You can also just do a bunch of math. That's and true. you'll That's check true. out, your mind will check out real quick. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we're not talking... <laughs> like long division. And oh, so again... I'd be asleep in a second. <laughs> well, that's the point, because it's taxing. It's it's uh, it's not stressful. I mean, unless you were traumatized in a math Well, class. here it is, because you're picturing the numbers, and you're seeing, and you have to remember where they are, and yeah. that's how I would do it, because I'm very visual. It so I would picture the, the numbers out, and then I just get tired of it, and I just, I, go, I end up falling asleep. Yep. And... I mean, have you had the experience where you fall asleep without noticing you're stopping the math? Like in the middle of trying to figure it out? I've definitely noticed that I start to wander and then I go back and then eventually I I don't remember. Well, this is one reason why the old cliche advice about counting sheep is mm-hmm. helpful. Because one, you're counting and that can be monotonous and repetitive. But two, you're picturing sheep. Mm-hmm. You're, you're engaging your imagination, your creative mind. Right. What, what we've just recommended is vastly more robust than counting sheep, but it works in the same principle. Um, I do want to mention one other thing, actually, because I've had, and I know you have as well, but I've had a lot of clients who had insomnia issues that were due to an overactive mind or due to just being stressed around um, bedtime. And it had nothing to do with normal everyday stress. I'll give you a couple really quick examples. One client actually had panic attacks at bedtime, which if you think about it is awful because of all the times when you need to feel safe and relaxed, it's when you're about to fall asleep. I believe a doctor told him he had sleep apnea and it was possible he could stop breathing, which is part of apnea, but he could actually die in his sleep. So the doctor basically negatively hypnotized him to believing he could die when he slept. Oh my God. So... I felt that just now. I was like, man. I know. Of all places, of all times of the day to feel, you know, threatened. So he started having panic attacks just as he was about to fall asleep. Thinking he might die that night. Yeah. And and even though he knew logically that was unlikely, the fear was there. Um, And so that just became a phobia of falling asleep. So we resolved that, changed that belief, and, and he was able to sleep again. Two other clients I can think of that had specifically traumatic events, and both were dependent on... Unisom or some other types of um, sleep medications. One was a client who had had an abortion three years earlier, and she was she said she was over it. It was not a big deal. I was a little skeptical of that, and I said, if you were really over it, and that's when your insomnia began, maybe you're not over it. And so it turned out we we really didn't focus on the sleep. We just focused on resolving the trauma, which is one of our specialties, of course, you and I. And she was afraid of going to bed without Unisom. And she was able to actually sleep through the night. And as of a few years later, when I last talked to her, she had not taken it at all. And she was able to sleep through the night. Another one (laughs) uh, was traumatized in in a horrific situation where... She basically found her husband's dead body. He had committed, oh, God. He had committed suicide with a gun, so he had shot himself in the head, and she found him. So for 10 years, she had not been able to sleep well. Um, she Wasn't also, he sitting in, in the his, car? His car, yeah. Oh, my God. It was God. like 4 or 5 in the morning. So, Picture that. Oh, my God. So she was, yes. I mean, she was also abusing uh, you know, alcohol, cigarettes, cocaine, and sleep medication. She so, must have felt guilty. and yep. Oh, man. But yeah. anyway, the, the point is that 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 resolving the trauma allowed her mind to be at rest and quiet. And so she was able to sleep. So, you know, it makes a lot of sense for sure. And that's why sometimes, you know, the way we approach things, 
it sounds very simple, but very often it really is simple. And if you focus on insomnia as the underlying problem, it's going to be really difficult to resolve it. But if you recognize it as a symptom of any number of potential causes and you account for each of those causes, you can resolve it. And, you know, quickly. We, quickly and, and usually, I mean, nothing, we can't ever guarantee results or say that something's permanent. But if you have weeds growing in your garden and you pull them up by the roots, you know for sure that weed will never grow again. There may be new weeds that come in and then you just have to deal with that. Anyway, we'll save that for another conversation. But that's my take on on insomnia or sleep issues. Any other thoughts you want to add there? Sweet dreams. See you in the morning for your next wake-up call. <laughs> yes. Sleep well. And then <laughs> after you've slept well, it will be time to wake up again. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with others who might benefit too. Follow our podcast at www.goodwinwakeupcalls.com to be notified as new episodes are released. If you have questions or topics you'd like us to address, email wakeupcalls at goodwinhypnosis.com. And visit goodwinhypnosis.com if you'd like our help to overcome a personal challenge. We'll talk to you soon.